Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the VIP Ignite podcast. I'm your host, Deneen White. Today, I am very excited to bring Richard and Antoinette Stratton to you. They are a power couple who work together to publish a lot of different books, and they have done a lot of work, and I'm really excited for you to hear their stories today. Hi, Richard and Antoinette. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Hi, I am hi awesome. I'm great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me this afternoon. I really appreciate your time. So I know I get to talk to both of you, and this 30 minutes is going to fly by. So, so, <laughs> so thank you so much. So I mean, we're going to start with Richard. So, Richard, okay. um, I know you, you have quite the illustrious past, and I know we're not allowed to talk about it very much today. But um, a question I have for you is, a couple of years ago, Michael gave me your book, and he was like, Deneen, you have to read this book. My friend wrote this book. And I read it, and I was like, this book reads like fiction. Like, I literally read um, The Smuggler's Blues in, like, I think a weekend. Like, I, I couldn't put it down. So, well, as I was reading, and um, as I was reading the book, it just made me want to ask you, when did you decide that writing was something that you wanted to do and that you were passionate about? Well, actually, that had started a long time ago. When I was in high school, actually, it was a senior year of high school, and my teacher, my English teacher, who had been a former editor at the Atlantic Monthly Magazine, read something that I had written for class, and he said, he made some comments about it, and there were pretty um, compliments actually. And he said, you know, you should think about this. You've got, you've got talent at, at writing. And I thought, and I really enjoyed it. So I thought, well, maybe there's something to that. And when I went away to college, I majored in English. And I remember I had a meeting with my, with my uh, college uh, supervisor at one point, And he said to me, well, what do you want to do when you get out of college? And I said, well, I, I want to be a writer. And he said, well, then, you know, what you really should do is you should quit school and go live in Paris or someplace like that and avoid the trap of, of uh, academic life and just get out there and have a real life and live so you have something to write about. And I took his advice. I left for Europe the, the next year instead of going back to college. And uh, it turned out to be a fateful decision, to put it that way. But yeah. um, so it was something I always wanted to do. And uh, and started in high school and then carried on through all those years. You know, even before I went to prison, I was published writer. I published short stories. I was writing for Rolling Stone and other publications. I used to say that I smuggled pot to support my writing habit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I, you definitely have a way of writing to. I like as I read, I feel like I'm actually like sitting there with you and there are not a lot of writers. I was an English major also. So that's part of the reason. I mean, there are a lot of reasons I was excited to talk to you today, but that's definitely one of the reasons and your gift of narrative. It just astounds me because like, I've, I mean, the way that you tell stories and the way that you make your characters come to life is for me, it's absolutely amazing. And that's definitely a gift. 
So well, you... thanks very much. I, I really appreciate that. I mean, there's nothing that writers enjoy more than having people say good things about their work. Um, you know, writers live in this kind of uh, solitary, sedentary life. They they squirrel themselves away in rooms and sit there with a computer or with a uh, a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen. And it's a kind of a lonely existence. But then when people respond to your work and say, oh, I really enjoyed your book or whatever, it's, it's such a good feeling. It makes you feel like, okay, you know, I, I get why I do this now. It's not just a matter of a kind of a therapy, self-therapy, because it's really a, a lot of it has to do with that, just writing to keep from going going crazy. And but when people really enjoy it and, and, and find the stories compelling, that is the real reward. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And so most of your um, writing it seems to be it seems to go around like true crime. So how do you how do you make your characters so relatable? Like someone like John Gotti, like you really made him relate. Like how do you do that? Can you give me a hint on that? Well, you know, I think that the important thing to remember, and Kim, uh, people who I've read before. You know, the thing is that most people make the mistake of thinking that criminals are somehow different from the rest of us. And that, you know, one of the things that bothers me the most about the TV shows that I see on on, uh, TV is as good as many of them are right now. But even a great show like Breaking Bad, when it comes to the portrayal of criminals, they just don't get it. They're always so one-dimensional and so kind of, stereotypical with the with the notable exception of the sopranos which in my mind is the best tv show that that was ever on uh, because they got they got the humanity of of tony soprano they got his relationship yeah. with his wife and kids he became a living breathing human being flawed as we all are but he wasn't one dimensional he was there was more to that man than his just being a criminal and that's that's the thing i think that most people most the mistake that most people make about criminals you know they they portray them as being one dimensional and they're not they have mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers they have fears they have desires you know unless they're complete psychopaths and that even psychopaths you know they have to they they have to exist in this world so it's to try to find the humanity in somebody who lives outside the law. That's the real challenge, and that's the interesting thing to me is to find the humanity in the in the Gotti story. Looking into that relationship between the father and son, that's a universal relationship. That's something that can that any man, any boy, any even mothers and and, and daughters can relate to because they see it in the father son dynamic. That's a that's a universal human relationship that <laughs> is what made I think that story made made that story compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, it's like you said, every person has more than one side to them, and I I love the way that you just that you humanize. Like you said, like the Sopranos, Tony Soprano is definitely one of my favorite characters that I've ever followed. I think. I probably binge watched the Sopranos too, just because the writing was so compelling in that show. But um, yeah, I just, I love that you, that you said that. And like, how do you get inside like the mind? Like, how do you, how do you sit down and decide who you're going to write about? Like, how do you make those decisions? 
Well, you know, I mean, look, there's there's a such thing as as inspiration. You know, you'd be thinking about something, you'd be thinking about a story, or you read about a story, and you think, oh my God, that's an amazing story, that's a great story, and then something within that context of the story really grabs hold of your imagination and and just and works on it to the point where you just you feel like you have to you have to write about it. It just it becomes. <clears throat> so compelling. Now, the the book Smuggler's Blues is the first the trilogy. The second book, which mm-hmm. is called Kingpin: Prison of the War on Drugs, is out now, and I'm working on the third book, which is called In the World, From the Big House to Hollywood, and it's all about getting out of prison. Which, interestingly enough, I found was as challenging, if not even more so, than surviving in prison because. And there's just so much when you come out of prison that, that you expect and it's not there. You know, you think all those years you're locked up, you think, oh, man, when I get out, I can do this and I can do that. And, I won't. and then you get out and you think, oh, I got to earn a living. I got to have a place to live. I got to make money mm-hmm. so I can eat. All the things that you didn't have to worry about when you're in prison, you got to worry about when you're out. And it's a whole different world, you know, when you've been locked up for eight or ten years or, or longer. It's a different world. And to to, to navigate that world and survive in that world takes a whole different kind of disciplines than what it took to survive in prison. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, I've got a, a cold. <laughs> Tis the season, right, for cold? <laughs> yeah, gosh. <laughs> so how do you maintain your inspiration when you're writing a project? Like, how do you maintain that inspiration? Well, for me, um, what I try to do is before I go to bed at night, I like to meditate for like 15 or 20 minutes. Try to empty my mind and think about or or let my mind dwell on what it is that I'm going to write about the next day. Try to let my mind marinate on that. And then I believe, and this, this comes to me from, Norman Mailer, who was my great mentor, is a great writer and, and a great friend of mine. And he believed that if you, when you went to bed and before you go to bed, if you thought about what you were going to do the next day in your work, your subconscious mind would work on that while you were asleep. Even uh, uncon- well, unconsciously, your, your, your dream life, your subconscious mind would work on it. So you get up the next day and you go to work and then all of that, subconscious work trips in and and it, it just it, it starts to flow hopefully i mean it's not always that way and you know there's always the the, the challenges of irritations of being um, disturbed and having to go away and do other stuff when you get really focused on it it really is a discipline you really have to discipline yourself and say okay i'm going to um, tomorrow i'm going to work on this figure out what it is exactly that you're going to do and then Think about it before you go to bed that night, meditate on it, and get up the next day and hope that you have the, the opportunity, the solitude, the concentration to, to really make it work. And then it will come. Then it comes. That's, that's awesome. So with all of your projects that you've worked on, what can you say is your favorite project that you've worked on and why? You know, I, I think it's typical of most writers that they always feel like whatever it is that they're working on at, at present is their favorite, and, and I think that's necessary because if you if you thought, oh, that thing that I did about John Gotti or the 
book I wrote two years ago was my favorite. <laughs> What's that say about what you're working on now? But I really True. feel like the book that I'm working on now is going to be the best of these three. I mean, I think they're 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 all different. Smuggler's Blues was obviously mm-hmm. a very much of an adventure story that takes you into the world of international trafficking and marijuana and hashish and travels around the world and it's got that that uh, overriding excitement of thinking is when is this guy going to get arrested and the cop <laughs> or the DEA agent is after me so there was, that, that's a very exciting book and, and it was all true it all really happened and then Kingpin is much more about surviving prison and going to going to trial both in Maine and, and in uh, New York in federal court becoming a jailhouse lawyer getting myself out of prison, discovering the law and the language of the law and how fascinating that was. So it's a different kind of book, but equally, mm-hmm. I think, uh, exciting in many ways because you keep thinking, is this guy ever going to get out? He's got 25-year non-parolable sentence. How is he going to get himself out of this? And so there's that. And now the one that I'm working on now, really it, it takes you into the world of, uh, of the entertainment industry, we made a film called Slam that came out in 1998 that was a huge success. It won the Sundance Film Festival Award and it won the Cannes Film Festival Award and it took us around the world and really gave me a whole new, uh, a whole new occupation. And then after that, I, I did the TV show Street Time that was on Showtime. So it took me into a, a different and made it possible for me to to make a living without having to resort to uh, criminal activity. So that's, I think, you know, the the thing that you're always sort of feeling like whatever it is that you're working on at the present is the best thing you've ever done, or hopefully it will be the best thing you've ever done. Yeah, I guess, I guess that was a um, tough question to ask. I mean, I, I feel like I asked that question to a lot of different people and I I mean, you put it perfectly into words. The thing that you're working on right now has to be your favorite because you're spending all day and all night with it. It's like it's your whole. It's your. It's like your best friend. You're there with it all the time. Right, and I don't really usually. I don't take gigs, so to speak. I don't get hired to write stuff for somebody else. I mean, that's not what I do. I, I do my own thing, kind of. And you know, I'm working on a TV show now, and I'm working on this book, so. These are things that are very close to me, and they're my projects, and I, I need to, mm-hmm. to be 100% involved in them. I need to really feel like it, it's, it's the most important and the best thing that I'm, that I'm doing at any given time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait to read your new book. I'm so excited. I'm going to be anxiously anticipating its release. Well, you got, you don't forget, you've got Kingpin that's out there now. You probably haven't even read that one yet, right? Oh. Let me tell you something. You have personally caused me two sleepless nights. I cannot read that book right before bed because I just keep going and going. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning. I have to get up at 5 o'clock to work out. This is not working out well for me. So I'm in the middle of that now. So I can't wait to um, – It's the, your writing is just so engaging. And, again, like there are very few writers that I can – I mean, I've re- I'm very well read, but there are very few writers that, like, just grab me the way that your writing it does. So – Thank you very much for sharing your talent with the world. I think that it's it's amazing. And I'm sorry to go all fangirl on you in an interview, but I think your writing is amazing, and I'm really happy that I have had the opportunity to read it. And I'm really excited that I had the opportunity to interview you today. 
Well, thank you very much. Hear- you know, I, I, I appreciate it. It's one of the things that I dislike the most about what I do is having interviews with people who haven't read the book. And, you know, it's funny, like you get sit, sit down to do an interview with somebody and they look at you and they go, well, I haven't read your book. And at that point, as soon as they say that, I feel like saying, okay, well, let's not do this interview and just get up and walk out. Because, I mean, it's like, I, well, what are we going to talk about if you haven't read the book? Yeah. And, you know, wh- why are we here? So thank you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your um, your enthusiasm, and I appreciate your professionalism that you read the work of the people that you are going to speak to us. Yeah, I, I feel like that's really important. If you're going to take the time to speak to me, I definitely want to be able to have an educated conversation about your body of work. Otherwise, again, I think it's disingenuous of people not to do that. So, well, thank you very much. Right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, I think we're going to move on to Antoinette, if that's okay with you, Richard. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And that's fine. You're and you're absolutely welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Antoinette, thank you so much for um getting us all coordinated for this call. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's it's what I do. <laughs> it's awesome. Laugh a lot I mean, and get the work done. <laughs> hey, you have to you definitely have to make sure you laugh a lot. So yes, absolutely. At the event, you were definitely one of the big hits. Like, there were people, like, creating hashtags, like Team Antoinette. The, the girls totally, like, were so inspired by you and everything that you do. So I have a question for you. Sure, How go ahead. How do you balance everything? Well, it's actually really hard, I think, to balance everything. I think that, for me, sometimes it looks easy because what I've realized is I have to have some system. And every day I have a plan for the day. Work, my children, my conference calls, my emails, everything is divided up into where it belongs. And I start my day at 6 in the morning. And like Richard, I wake up in the morning with meditation just so that I'm balanced. And... What I do is I follow my routine. Now, we know in life something, sometimes things don't go as planned. If I'm going to do my mm-hmm. emails, um, for example, I like to get my emails in L.A. done from 8 in the morning until 10 because I know they're not in the office yet, and then I can talk to them in the evening on Eastern Standard Time. But if something goes wrong, I learn to be patient, to be remain calm, And my famous, uh, I guess my words are, for every problem, there's a solution. So when something goes wrong, as it will, sometimes I've learned not to panic, to just stay calm, relax, and look for the solution in it. And I think that's what allows me to get everything done without pulling my hair out. (laughs) And also just taking that 10 minutes for myself and saying, okay, now it's uh, 2 o'clock or it's, you know, 5 o'clock. You've been working all day. Stretch, take a deep breath, get some fresh air, laugh, and then go back to things. And to realize it's work, it's life, and we really have to be happy or find our own true passion and joy in life also at the same time. So nothing is too too serious for me. 
That's true. I have a, um, an Apple Watch that actually tells me, okay, Denine, you need to breathe right now because apparently you're not breathing. <laughs> and it also says, stand up. You've been sitting too long. So I need technology to help yeah. me with what you have built into your brain, into your like routine already. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> so, I mean, you do so much behind the scenes. Like, how did you become a manager and I mean, how did you get into all of this? Was it something that you were doing before you met Richard, or is this something that kind of you met him and, okay, now this is my new life? So I think I've just always been, even before my work, I was an organized kind of person in my childhood. I was the person who ran for student government, was the head cheerleader hat, went to summer camp here, and I did have support from my parents, but a lot of it I had to organize and structure for myself. So because of that, I think I was that kid who was just disciplined and balanced in life. And I used to do PR work. And so when I was doing PR um, for my clients, I had to uh, organize, you know, the venue, make sure I had the place filled. It was just a lot of behind-the-scenes behind the scenes things I had to do and what I realized is I think at that time is in order to make that person a success I had to make sure that everything behind the scenes worked and and was in place and it wasn't about me and I think I realized at that point that that I had to forget myself and ego especially Mm -hmm. and just make sure that everything worked together great so Richard originally hired me uh, to do PR for him for a book um, that he had coming out many, 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 many years ago, Autist States of America. And when I came on board, long story short, he was uh, writing a NBC miniseries at the time. And when I came on board, I just kind of did what I was used to doing, which was put all the pieces together. And he had a great success for the party Um, a great success for the book reading and the book signing. And then it just followed up from there. So, yes, I had my own clients for managing, but then we were married, we had a son, and I realized that I could not take care of my home, Richard, who is a full-time job, and I will tell anyone (laughs) that, that. (laughs) and my clients. So, obviously, something had to give. And Unfortunately, because I did love my clients, because I like to build relationships with people. And um, I think I said it at VIP, I'm the huggy type and my little emojis and, you know, encourage everyone. And I realized as much as I enjoyed working with them, I really needed to focus more on our business and my home life, my children, and Richard's career. And so that's how um, originally I was for him and then managing I took a hiatus to have our son but then when I realized that it wasn't working even with our agent and everyone else involved um, somewhere along the way he, his work and he I felt and he felt were getting lost in the cracks and we needed to do something different and that's when I realized I needed to come back in and just do what I had always done okay that's awesome so um you mentioned you have to take ego out of it when you're doing when you're working with people and being like a support system. How 
how do you do that? I mean, I, I'm very much a support <laughs> person in, in all areas of my life. But sometimes my ego just starts screaming, like, why aren't you getting more attention? Like, how do you, how do you manage that? Can you give me some pointers here? <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right. That is so true. It's human nature for us to be like that. But what I've learned is, and what I realize is it's so great to see someone, whether it's Richard or whether it's an actor or whether it's whatever the person is, it's so great to see them succeed at whatever they do best. And the only way they can succeed is if everything works together behind the scenes. And you and I know it takes a lot of work, even for a television series. I produce, you have to make all the calls, you have to make sure he's at the right location, you have to make sure his flights are in order, but at the same time hiring people for the job. You know, there's so many hats. And Mm -hmm. so when ego takes over, what ego says is, well, I'm doing all of this. What, What recognition do I receive or do I get? But when ego takes over, then... That can create animosity. It can create an unbalanced uh, relationship. It can create an unhealthy relationship because all of a sudden I, the person, will start uh, perhaps resentment. Well, why am I doing this? Well, it's me. I should get the recognition. And I've never thought of Richard and I that way because I see us as a team. And as a team, if he's able to do what he does best, then I'm able to do what I do best then we come together in a partnership and we each do what we're called to do and we make a great relationship out of that. That's awesome. That's some great advice because definitely you, you need both parts. Like you said, you need both parts functioning at the highest capacity in order for any of this to go down, especially with all of the, the um, irons you have in the fire with like the TV shows and the books and I'm sure there's a lot of press that you're just always going in 20 different directions and then you add your family into it so everyone has to be operating at their highest capacity yeah that's that's true yeah so how I can tell you one uh, go ahead no go Go ahead ahead, please no go ahead I have found that I just wanted to say I've learned that laughter is a great source. And even in the, in, when we have free time outside of work, we make time to date. We find time to laugh. We find time to enjoy a movie. Just laughter and life and reaching out and extending a helping hand to other people. I really believe that's what it's about. And I believe that if we find our core of what our purpose is or why we are here – then you never feel like you're waking up to do nothing, right? Because you're doing what yeah. you know that in your heart you're called to do. Yeah, that's so true. And I think um, laughter is definitely the best medicine. <laughs> I know that, like, I, I laugh when I'm nervous. I laugh when I'm mad. I laugh when I'm sad. Like, I <laughs> <Me> always, <laughs> like, laughing is something, like, that I just, yeah. like, it's like I'm in a tense situation. I'm the person who's, like, going to crack a joke, even though people yeah. are looking at me like, why are you trying to be funny? Right? Like, I'm like, look, <laughs> if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. And I will ugly cry, right. so we definitely need to work on the right. laughter. So, <laughs> exactly. so that's awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Very cool. So if you had to give someone – a lot of our audience is um, pretty new to the entertainment industry. So if you had to give them one piece of advice, what piece of advice would you give them, Antoinette? 
I think the one piece of advice I would give to anyone new in the entertainment business is stay true to yourself and be patient. So I'd like to say two things. Stay true to yourself, number one, and be patient. And why is it stay true to yourself? Because a lot of times when you come in the business, people try to change you. People who are experienced may view you different. And I'm not suggesting people who are giving you advice, but maybe, um, you know, change the whole person of who you are. Mm -hmm. And some of that core has to be there because that's who you are. That's your foundation. If you're a writer and you know that you want to write comedy and this is your people find you humorous and, and you enjoy laughing and now someone says, oh, well, guess what? I think you should write true crime and murder. Well, they are two different extremes, and that person may give mm-hmm. you advice, but if your heart isn't in that, then I don't think you should necessarily follow that because you may not be following what you're called to do. And so every day okay. you're waking up and you're trying to do what someone else has suggested to you, but every day yeah. you're waking up dying inside. And the patience comes because nothing happens overnight. Um, so you have to be patient to know that it takes work, it takes effort, and everything will in time work out. But the patience, I think, is very important. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for um, that advice. I think that is stellar advice because I think so many people are willing to morph themselves to get what they want. And when you lose yourself, like you said, you wake up and you're dying inside in the morning. So I think yeah. that is great advice. And then there are, as we both know, there are no, there's no such thing as an overnight success. So no, I love the patience as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So I just want to thank you so much again for your time this afternoon. Thank you for um, just giving great advice and thank you for being the hit of the VIP Ignite event. I mean, all the girls, like they were so excited by everything that you said. So excited to meet you. So I just want to thank you for your time and for all that you give and just for being you. It's a pleasure to speak to you today, and it was great to get to meet you a couple weeks ago. Uh, Janine, thank you so much, and thank you for taking the time to interview Richard and myself. And I have followed up with my girls. They were amazing. And um, if nothing else, I've just sent emails. They've reached out, and I've sent, you know, simple checking in, and somewhere in the future, mm-hmm. I was thinking um, perhaps I could do a, you know, every two once a month check-in with a group of them, you know, make it a group effort and just say, sending you encouragement today, hope all is well, shine today, you you rock today. Um, because we do need encouragement in this world and the times we're living in and just in general in pursuing a career yeah. and in this business. So thank you for taking the time to interview us um, and just, you know, be happy, have a safe and happy holiday. And to everyone who hears this, um, I just wish everyone well and goodness. <laughs> thank you. Same to you, Antoinette. It was all, it's a pleasure thank to you. speak with you. Hopefully we can do this again. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you, Janine. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Well, if you enjoyed what you heard today on the podcast, make sure that you hit subscribe because I have many more great guests. You can subscribe at on iTunes, on Stitcher, or anywhere the podcast can be found. 
And if you are interested in learning how to become an actor, a model, or a musician, please check out our website at ammsociety.com where you can get registered for our next live webinar. Thank you so much and have a great day.